following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. The sermon this morning, entitled, When the Foundations Tremble, is a continuation of a sermon series entitled, Old Words, New Life, Transformative Teachings from the Old Testament. 21 years ago, on the Sunday after 9-11, I preached a sermon based upon some of the scriptures that we heard this morning. On this September 11, I thought it would be appropriate to return to those scriptures because they have a lasting message that applies to many circumstances. The first words that we heard from the prophet Isaiah sounded as though they could have been written for 9-11. Your country lies desolate, your cities are burned with fire, in your very presence aliens devour your land, it is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. The biblical word remains forever contemporary because the Bible addresses our fundamental human condition. In every age, people do horrible things and engage in violence against one another. Just this past week, there was a threat of violence against Walls Elementary School. In every age, there are great calamities in various places. In every age, people deal with traumatic situations in life. As Isaiah went on to say, terror, the pit, and the snare are upon you, O inhabitants of the earth, for the foundations of the earth tremble. Today, we continue to confront many circumstances in which the foundations tremble. The foundations tremble in Europe as a once unthinkable war in Ukraine roars on. The foundations tremble in many small nations on earth as climate change causes relentless droughts or floods or rising sea levels. The foundations tremble in people's personal lives when they must confront a serious illness or a family problem for which there's no ready solution or when they must deal with the unexpected loss of a loved one. What can we do when the foundations tremble? We'll be pursuing that question this morning. Let's be in a moment of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Paul Tillich, one of the most renowned theologians of the 20th century, wrote a book entitled The Shaking of the Foundations, in which he said, if the foundations of this place and all places begin to crumble, only two alternatives remain, despair and faith. Despair characterizes much of human life today, but there is a powerful alternative. The scriptures summon us to turn to God in faith. We saw an, an inspiring example of such faith in the passage we heard this morning from 2 Samuel which recorded a song of David in which he reflected about some of the most difficult experiences in his life. When King Saul at one point and David's own son Absalom at another point were trying to take his life. As David said, deadly waves encompass me, the torrents of perdition assailed me, the snares of death confronted me. What did David do? 
as the foundations in his own life trembled. He continued, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God I called. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. He reached from on high and drew me out of mighty waters. The Lord was my stay. He brought me out into a broad place and delivered me. David found that God supplies a strength far greater than any challenge, and God provides deliverance. So David opened his song with the words, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. One of the challenges we may have in looking at sections of scripture like this is, is that in the span of a few verses, we move dramatically from trouble to salvation. And so we might like to think that God's deliverance should come quickly. But for David, when he was threatened by Saul, or later when he was threatened by the rebellion of Absalom, the solution to his trouble actually took a long time to unfold. He had to persevere in faith, to keep trusting, even as the situation for some time looked very bleak. This is why there are so many passages in the Old Testament which speak of waiting for the Lord. Isaiah used such language when he was describing some major trials in his day for the people of Israel through which they would need to persist in faith. He spoke finally of God's coming deliverance with the words, it will be said on that day, lo, this is our God, we have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Biblical faith is not dependent upon solutions appearing soon. It is the readiness to wait for the Lord, to keep trusting in God. At the same time, such faith does not mean that we then simply sit back in a kind of passivity, expecting that God should take care of all that is needed in the story of David, as he trusted in God, he also engaged in active strategy. He looked to God to sustain him, to guide and empower his actions, and to give him the confidence to persevere. We likewise are called to a faith that is lived out in action. Jesus talked about this kind of act of faith in one of his most well-known parables in which he utilized some of the imagery that we heard in our Old Testament readings. Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. This parable is traditionally called the parable of the wise and foolish builders. The wise builder is the one who establishes his house on rock, and you can readily connect that image with the Old Testament theme that the wise person establishes his or her life upon God, who is often pictured as the rock. David spoke of God as my rock, 
multiple times. The image of building a house is itself, of course, a very active image. If you drive past the construction site for the new Kent City Hall these days, you'll find that it is a hub of activity. And so Jesus' parable implies that building one's life upon God is not a matter simply of passive belief, it involves action. And then Jesus, in fact, emphasized this in the parable. As he said, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise person who builds upon rock. Our Methodist tradition very much lifts up this teaching of Jesus about the importance of an active faith. One part of our tradition is the idea that Christian living can be summarized in three simple truths. Do no harm, do good, and do things that draw you closer to God. Doing good naturally includes a whole lot of activity. And doing things that draw you closer to God means that you engage in a range of spiritual activities, such as attending worship, participating in Bible study, joining a small group in church, activities which will move you closer to God. This emphasis on the active nature of faith is especially important in our time, when many people prefer to think of spirituality as a set of inward feelings. But Jesus never called people to a set of feelings or even simply to a set of beliefs. He called people to follow him, to engage in an active journey in which people are living out his teachings in daily life. His parable of the builders poignantly expresses that idea of an active faith. Of course, the key element in the parable is that in all this building activity, a person is building upon rock. Jesus then described an event that was well known in ancient Palestine, a flash flood. As he said, the rain fell and the floods came. In the semi-arid climate of that region, a sudden major rainfall could cause a normally dry valley to be filled with a torrent of water. A house not solidly built could easily be swept away. We are seeing a contemporary example of that right now in Pakistan. If you've seen some of the videos of the flooding there, you've likely seen major buildings, which look to be very solid, suddenly collapsing and being completely swept away. In commentary about the Pakistan crisis, there has, of course, been mention of how climate change has exacerbated the likelihood of such major flooding. At the same time, it has also been noted that the scale of the tragic damage in Pakistan has at least in part been due to poor water drainage systems, rampant deforestation, and shoddy building construction. Like the fellow in the parable who built his house on sand, authorities in Pakistan for years have not adequately prepared for major floods even though significant flooding had happened there in the past. In human life, there are inevitably times when the rain falls and the floods come.
people are hit with major challenges. Those who are unprepared can find life suddenly collapsing around them. But those who ground themselves in God find a solid strength to endure. The psalmist expressed this powerfully in the passage we heard from Psalm 46, where he wrote, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with tumult. The psalmist describes waters roaring and mountains shaking, worrisome things are going on. But in the midst of it all, the psalmist declares, God is our refuge and strength, therefore we will not fear. No matter what happens, we need not fear when the foundation of our life is in God. An especially meaningful statement right here is that God is a very present help in trouble. The original Hebrew word translated present indicates something that is immediately at hand. The help that we find in the midst of trouble is not necessarily that an answer is at hand, it is that God is at hand. And when God is with us, we can look to the future with confidence, with strength, and with hope. This is true not only on a personal level, but also on a social scale. There's a lot happening in the world at large these days that could cause us to fear. But the scriptures declare that God is at work in human history for good. Isaiah spoke about this in his own day when he wrote, when the blast of the ruthless was like a winter rainstorm, the noise of foreign invaders like heat in a dry place, you subdued the heat with the shade of clouds. The song of the ruthless was stilled. Today, we can look for God to continue to be at work in our human story, to frustrate the designs of the wicked, to guide people in right paths, to bring about God's justice. We are thus invited throughout the Old Testament and the New to build our life upon God. In this regard, there's a very interesting additional image in the version of Jesus' parable of the builders that is found in the Gospel of Luke. There it is said that the person who hears and acts on Jesus' words is like a man building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. The image of digging deeply is a good picture for what we ought to be about in our spirituality. We need to get past the surface of life, which we can do by sharing in worship, by hearing God's word, by engaging in prayer, by truly opening ourselves to the saving grace that comes to us in Jesus Christ. We are digging deeply in order to lay the foundation of our life upon God. Indeed, sometimes, it is the very challenges of life which spur us to dig more deeply so that we are firmly established on the foundation of God. The motif of God as the rock continues to the Old Testament, comes then to its ultimate fulfillment in the New Testament as it proclaims Jesus Christ to be the ultimate rock of our salvation. As the Apostle Paul said, another foundation can no one lay except Jesus Christ. 
The Apostle Peter likewise portrayed Jesus as the foundation and specifically pictured him as the cornerstone. He quoted an earlier Old Testament passage from the prophet Isaiah who had said, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I lay a stone in Zion, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation, and the one who trusts in him shall never be put to shame. That stone, said Peter, is Jesus Christ. For it is in Christ that we finally are put right with God, and we are given the assurance of an everlasting future. What then can you do when the foundations of life tremble? The answer is to become established on the foundation that does not tremble. Like David and Isaiah and the disciples of Jesus, we can look to the Lord in faith and find that by God's grace, we are grounded on the rock of God's saving power. As it is said in Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, who inclined to me and heard my cry. God drew me up from the desolate pit, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust. Let us pray. O Lord, we give thanks that you are near to us, you are a very present help in trouble. The world around us is so full of, of difficulties and trials, the foundations seem to tremble. But Lord, we find in you a foundation that does not tremble. Guide us as we would put our trust in you, as we open ourselves to how your spirit would work in us, as we find in you the sure rock upon which we can build our lives, in which we can find real meaning and hope, in which we can know your promises for an everlasting future. We thank you, O oh God, that you give us that sure foundation, the rock of our salvation in Christ. Move us as we indeed would respond today in faith as we receive that power, that saving promise that you extend to us as we then are drawn into fellowship with you, able to journey with you, to live out our faith in our daily lives, to join with all your people in reaching out in mission to the world. We thank you, Lord, that you draw us into the life of the church in which we can grow together in faith and witness for you in our world today. We do reach out to people who are in times of illness and lift up especially Amelia Stout, we pray for those who are facing surgeries and pray especially this morning for Claudia Sawyer and for Dave Vandernoot. We pray, for, Lord, for your healing power to be at work. We thank you, Lord, that you bring us into this church family in which we can grow together in faith. At our 8.30 service this morning, we celebrated a baptism for Lewin Christopher Battles. We pray, Lord, your spirit to be with all families to guide us to grow together in your love and promise. We thank you that we're part of a larger church family that extends beyond the walls of this church. This morning, we lift up our fellow United Methodists at the Clinton United Methodist Church. And Lord, we give thanks that we are a part of an eternal family. Today, we give special thanks for Ruth Lockridge for her many years of witness and service in the life of this congregation. We entrust her, O Lord, into your everlasting arms. Lead us today as we would respond anew in faith 
as we recognize that the rock of our salvation is at hand, inspire us as we would place our trust, O Lord, in you, and as we would lift you always the praise. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.